for the green light. Green light. Uh, I'm Lauren. I am Jackson. And this feels weird. We usually do this backwards. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I was like, what do we do here, me? I'm so, yeah, you, what do you do here? And I? <laughs> uh, well, we find new movies and old movies and series and other stuff. And we talk about them, give some trivia, and decide if we would green light them ourselves. Yes. If I could turn back time, like Cher. If I could turn back time. That's right. Um, okay, so this week we are going to be talking about the 2004 movie Ella Enchanted and... The uh, 2020 movie, which actually I think technically ended up being 2021 movie, The New Mutants. Yes. Or I guess it was technically released in 2020, but it just came available widely just recently. So yes, The New Mutants, Ella Enchanted. Before we get to that, however, uh, let's let's do some housekeeping stuff, shall we? Yes. Uh, so we actually did kind of get a new review, okay. even though uh, it is it is technically for Who Is That, but they gave us the review for The Green Light. Aw, that's <laughs> or on, nice. Or On The Green Light. They said, love hearing your guesses. This is LJL Cool, which I've seen that name before. That's my mother. Is it? Yep. <laughs> okay. She said, also love when you get mad when one of your faves gets voted out. So thank you, mother. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to be like Lauren's mom, go give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Helps us move up the charts, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know, I actually, that makes a lot of sense because I was on the phone with my mom and she was like, I updated my who is that review and you guys haven't read it. So that explains <laughs> and that. And that is why, yes. Yeah. Uh, Another so thing you can do is join our Patreon club. Yes, you can. Um, I don't remember if we mentioned this last week. I know we said on Who Is That, but I think I might have forgotten to mention it here. We do have a new patron named Patrick. Yes, we do. So thank, thank you, Patrick. You, Patrick. Be like Patrick. We are forever indebted to you, Patrick. And we'll be forever indebted to you, whoever, if you join us. Yeah, we actually just Patreon recorded Club. a new green lit yes, we for did. our $5 level patrons and above. Uh-huh. Uh, we watched... Uh, Tucker Dale versus Evil. Sorry, I had to Sorry, think about I was what we did Jackson just watch. Yes, she did. Uh, so yeah, we we did that. That's a lot of fun. That will probably be out by the time you listen to this on Friday. Yeah. So if you want to just subscribe the same day, get a bunch of green light content, uh, in your ears, do that. Also, speaking of our other podcast, listen to that. We'll also have a new episode out on Friday. Just so much content for you. You can have like so much. You can have like three hours of Jackson and Lauren if you honestly more than that because with the Patreon you don't just get what comes out right now. You that's get the true. whole back catalog. So that's like that's true. Hours and hours and hours of just us. Just us, <laughs> and that's either your uh, your worst nightmare or your greatest joy. So that's right. Who knows? You decide. Yeah. Uh, follow us on social media, TGL underscore Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, and, and at Greenlight Pod on Facebook. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I think that's housekeeping. Sweep shall we dive in? Rug? We shall. Yes. Um, I think I'll go first. Okay. And uh, you'll know why later. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil. We're not. We're not into spoilers here on this podcast. Mm. So, I have been. I was tasked this week. I tasked myself with watching and talking about The New Mutants. And we actually watched it um, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's been ruminating, giving me time to think on it, which is good. <laughs> um, so let's just jump into it. Let's go specs first. Let's do our research, and then I'll talk about what I felt about it. So like we mentioned before, The New Mutants is a 2020 film written and directed by Josh Boone. 
Uh, a little bit of a synopsis. Five young mutants, just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will, fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. So, if you don't know, The New Mutants is sort of a spinoff of the X-Men franchise. Uh, the New Mutants has its own comic series, but it is it is in the, the Marvel Universe, and mo- more specifically, the X-Men Universe, where, um, you know, mutants run rampant. Uh, these mutants are all very young. Uh, they're, they're teenagers and young adults and they're they're sort of trying to find their way in their world uh a lot of them parent situation is iffy or not there as we find out in the movie yeah so yeah so they they have been sent to this place to um they are told to sort of help discover their abilities help hone their abilities etc however as we find out throughout watching the film it's a little bit more sinister than that but so that's the general premise of the movie you got right there um, and if you look on IMDb, the the categories that it lists this movie in is action, horror, hmm. mystery. Interesting. And we mystery. will talk. Yeah, I, I, right. I, I mean, I guess a little bit, but Ooh, I think, wonder what her powers are. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Let's find clues. Yeah. So, so essentially uh, getting a little more into the plot just for, for backstory, we essentially follow uh, one new mutant, if you will, uh, who just arrived at the facility and doesn't exactly know what her powers are. A lot of them do know what their powers are and they're just trying to hone them. But Danny, who is our protagonist, she doesn't. She doesn't really know what her powers are. Danny Moonstar, um, her father, you actually see not really a spoiler because it's in the very first scene you see her father die and uh so she is now sort of uh she is an orphan not even sort of she is uh and so uh you know we we follow danny and these four other teens as they they try to find their way in this crazy little world so back to some specs as i said written and directed by josh boone uh most notably josh boone directed the fault in our stars huh did you see have you seen that the movie okay and you read the book too, right? Yes, I did. I can't remember what the movie was like. I really well, remember nothing Shailene about Woodley it. Well, it has Shailene Woodley and Anzalel Gordon in it. You just so don't like Shailene Woodley. Though. I don't like Shay. I don't like Anzalel Gordon either. I'll be honest. I think he's fine. Uh, anyways, uh, he is also a co-creator of a new uh, TV series coming out based off a Stephen King book called The Stand. Hmm. Uh, co-creator and wrote a lot of episodes for it. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go into some more things before I before I talk any further about. Josh and his vision. Uh, this is also co-written by Nate Lee, who is uh, Josh's writing partner. Uh, mostly known for documentary work, actually, before this, um, including uh, a few Jackass movies and Bad Grandpa, so in okay. that world. But he also is a writer on the stand, so they're sort of writing partners and, and wrote this movie together. Starring, this movie is starring uh, Maisie Williams, who is mostly known for her role as Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. Yay. I said that. I said that correctly. Right? Aria, yeah. Yes, okay. Um, and actually, a fun little fact about this movie before I go any further, which I will talk about in more detail, but this movie was actually set to release in 2018. It was filmed in 2017. What? Yeah. So, uh, as, as I'll be talking about these characters, uh, we'll sort of be looking at it from that lens and what they would have been like then, even though obviously it was released more recently. That actually kind of makes sense now yeah. that I think about it, because... Um, you know the girl with the little puppet who was in the Queen's Gambit? Anna Taylor-Joy? Yes. Yep. I just remember seeing that and being like, how did this come out more recently than the Queen's Gambit when she looks younger in this? You yeah. know, I thought it was just like camera tricks, but it was actually filmed a while ago. So that it, was. <laughs> it was. It uh, was. Speaking of 
Anna Taylor-Joy. Uh, as you most know now, she is known for Queen's Gambit. That is her biggest thing now. Sort of thrust her in the spotlight. Before that, though, she had been in a decent uh, decent amount of movies and, and TV shows. Uh, she had been in the horror movie The Witch. She had been in Split, Thoroughbreds, uh, some episodes of Peaky Blinders. Hmm. And she had done a voiceover for uh, that the Dark Crystal uh, TV series remake on Netflix, as well as Playmobil, the movie. I used to love Playmobiles. So, oh, oh! I was like, "What is little, that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Those little toys. I didn't know there uh, was a movie. Yeah. Well, apparently, yeah. I think it came out in like 2018 or something. Hmm. Uh, but yes, before that, obviously not the Queen's Gambit, but the Witch, Split, Thoroughbreds, Peaky Blinders, etc. Uh, next, we have Charlie Heaton uh, of Stranger Things fame. That's pretty much what he's most well known for. He plays Jonathan Byers, Will Byers's brother. We have a Stranger Things connection in mine too. Oh. Wow, look at that. Uh, final, uh, no, uh, second to last of the kids, uh, we have Blue Hunt, who is the, uh, who is our protagonist playing Danny. Uh, she is a series regular on the CW show, The Originals. That's really mostly what she's known for. Uh, and then the final kid, uh, Henry Zaga, uh, mostly he's done TV stuff. He was in Teen Wolf, some episodes, some episodes of 13 Reasons Why, etc., etc. So, let's do a little bit of... I'm, I'm, I'm teasing sort of the background of this film specifically, <laughs> so I'm going to continue to tease, and we're going to talk a little bit about just the X-Men universe, okay. where, that, where it stems from, where it's based on, You're being sus, Jackson. Uh, you'll, you'll know why. Uh, so, uh, this film is based on Bill Sinewicz. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Okay. Run with Chris Claremont on the New Mutants comics. Okay. Uh, number 18 through 31 and number 33, or issue 18 through 31 and issue 35 through 38, uh, which is, as you could probably guess, a darker and more horror-themed run at the New Mutants. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Josh Boone, who was the writer-director, he took also visual inspiration from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which isn't a horror movie, it's a comedy, mm -hmm. but, you know, that asylum feel that we sort of get throughout the movie yeah. inspired by that as well as nightmare on elm street 3 dream warriors man i was about to be excited and i have not seen that one we so that one. <laughs> never yeah. mind uh so let's talk a little bit about the x-men movie franchise as well since this is a bit of a spin-off of that uh so a little bit about the comics even further back uh obviously the x-men movies are based on the x-men comics uh created by stan lee and jack kirby uh if you don't know about the x-men which you should but do a little dive into it. Uh, the X-Men are mutants, so like a subspecies of human who are born with superhuman abilities. Uh, their whole deal is they fight for peace and equality between normal humans and mutants in a world where anti-mutant bigotry is everywhere. Especially yep. if you've seen the X-Men animated series. They deal with that a lot, which is I, I really cool, a, a thing I like about that. Uh, as... Once again, as I'm sure you know, it's one of the most successful and well-known comic series of all times. It has spawned, in addition to this live-action film series, multiple animated and live-action TV shows, many video games, numerous novels, soundtracks, action figures, and clothing. So now, there, there are sort of different factions of the X-Men movies. Um... So there's the original trilogy, and I do want to talk about that for just a little bit, uh, because the first one came out in 2000. And uh, starring, you know, some some names we know today, Halle Berry, Hugh Jackman, etc., etc. But this original trilogy was, trilogy was actually really important because it helped pave the way for, like, a ton of other comic book movies. Like, this was before Spider-Man, Fantastic oh, wow. Four, Superman Returns, etc. And 
before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And a lot of people actually point to this original trilogy as a reason why uh, Marvel took a chance on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because they saw with this uh, in 2000 that the X-Men movies could be successful. Comic book movies could be successful. There's a market for it. So uh, it proved there was an audience there. And so a lot is owed, especially to those original two films, because the third one's kind of meh. But (laughs) the first two, great. Uh, Then you have. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then you have the Wolverine trilogy, which is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wolverine, Wolverine, and Logan. The X-Men Beginnings films, which includes First Class, Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, and uh, Days of Future Past. The two Deadpool movies. And then this spinoff, which is The New Mutants. 13 movies in total. Uh, Worldwide, these movies have made a combined $6 billion. There's a lot of money behind uh, made from them. Actually, over half of that money is from overseas. Which huh. I think is really interesting. Cool. I think it's like three point five million of that six billion, or three point five billion of that six billion is is from overseas. I mean, I guess that makes sense if you think about like one country and then the rest of the world. Sure, but, but I mean, like, I feel like a lot of movies, like, yeah, mostly in the U.S. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I think this just has such a huge appeal worldwide mm-hmm. because these characters are well known, and you know, action movies. I feel like always do well because yeah. it's easier to. So everybody much, gets action. How much did this make? <laughs> We'll get to it. <laughs> oh, is that part of your two well, personal it, life? It, it's also hard because this was released during the pandemic. I mean, sure. So, like, it, it's it's a bit hard to judge. But, uh, finally, with, with just the X-Men movies as a whole, uh, most of them have been fairly well-received. Like, especially, like, I was talking about those first one. Um, uh, the Deadpool movies, of course, everyone loves. The Wolverine trilogy, most of them... Two out of three are critically well-received. I like three out of three. I like X-Men Origins Wolverines, even though most people don't. But, however, some of the most recent X-Men films, especially the most the two X-Men Beginnings films that were most recent, X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men Dark Phoenix, have been some of the lowest-rated movies of the X-Men franchise. Yeah. So not a great trajectory we're on. Now, finally, what we've all been waiting for Talking about this movie specifically, sort of the filming process, <laughs> what happened, etc. Uh, so one thing that I actually really kind of appreciate about this movie is that 90% of this movie was shot on real locations. Only 10% was shot on green screen. Okay. And they made an effort to make as many of the effects practical as they could. That's cool. If you've seen this movie, I you assume know, not the demon bear. Not the demon bear. <laughs> yes. And that's not really a spoiler. We see the demon bear at the beginning. Um... But yes, not the Demon Bear, but a lot of things they did, which I appreciate, and I think is sort of pays homage to those movies that Josh Boone got inspiration from, like mm-hmm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Next, Nightmare on Elm Street, etc., etc. So as I said, this movie was shot in 2017, uh, and it was supposed to be released in 2018. So what happened? Well, if you know, and if you're not, I'm going to tell you, uh, Fox was, the, the X-Men uh, franchise was owned by Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Disney owned Marvel, the, the sort of the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Around this time this was shooting, it was supposed to be released, uh, Disney bought Fox. And or at least like that part of Fox. Exactly. Yeah. And in it, the X-Men franchise. Because of that, uh, things, things sort of got a little messy. So reshoots were planned on this movie. Hmm. Because... Um, the reshoots were planned to make the movie scarier and even add a new character, not just like a cameo, a full character who is going to be pretty consistent throughout the movie. Hmm. Now, a little bit of backstory. So Josh Boone originally pitched this as a horror movie. However, 
Fox asked him to shoot the film like a PG-13 thriller. And uh, then the studio changed its mind and then wants to up the horror and potentially move it towards an R rating. And he's like, bro, I already shot it. (laughs) Correct. And so at this point, they wanted to reshoot at least 50% of the movie. Uh, At this point, however, Boone had some creative differences with the studio over the request and changes, but it it more seems like most of the reason why it wasn't reshot was because of the merger, because of difficulty with that, the the changeover, actors moving on, director moving on, etc, etc. Well, it's also too, like, if you wait too long, people are just going to look different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I- exactly. I think that's like, the thing, especially with these characters who are teenagers. And then you have to reshoot the whole thing or nothing at all, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah. Once again, like fifty percent of this movie was was supposed to be uh, reshot, and we end up not getting that. And I'll say, as now, I think is a good time to uh, to sort of go into to my thoughts and opinions on this movie. I really wish they would have done those reshoots. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think the thing about this movie is it's not scary enough to be a horror movie and it's not fun enough to be like a quirky teen thriller. Yeah. To be like a PG-13. And it's also, I would argue it's not even epic enough to be like a superhero movie. Correct. You know what I mean? It's a bit, it's like, it's pretty contained. It's pretty contained in yeah. the hospital, the the asylum, etc. whatever you yeah, want to call it. Yeah, it just feels like they kind of didn't commit to any genre, and that's why it kind of fell flat. Correct. Uh, in my opinion, I think the more interesting direction is the the horror movie direction. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see the the this version of the movie that is an R-rated movie. And that is um, that is a, a straight-up horror movie. Lean into the scary moments. I mean, literally the place that it, it is set in an asylum. Yeah. And, like, one of the facts that's not part of my, you know, uh, two of three is that a lot of the cast was terrified by even just this filming location. Yeah. And it's like they were uncomfortable. And it's like, all right, well, take advantage of that then. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and, and, and I think that's the biggest part of where this movie falls flat for me. The tone is very inconsistent throughout. And you, you just don't get... It feels like it's riding this line, and it's just, like, commit to something. Commit to one of those two things. However, I wish I could say that was the only thing that I didn't like about this movie. Um, I think they missed the mark with a lot of, like, the characters, and the storylines between those characters felt a little bit uneven. So, let's talk about the character of Ileana, who Ileana Rasputin, magic with a K, is, is her comic name. And played by Anna Taylor-Joy. So she is supposed to be, especially at the beginning of this movie, this mean girl. She's supposed to be the person who, like, intimidates Danny, who's like, I'm in charge here, you listen to me, etc. However, the way they choose to to make her character mean is to make her character racist. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Make her Russian character racist against Native Americans, which doesn't even really make sense. No, I would agree. Um, and, and, And I just, I just, I think that's what, like sort of an example of just like some of the some of the shortcomings of this movie. It's like you could have done that differently and more effectively, but yeah. instead you do the thing that makes everyone uncomfortable and it doesn't even really like achieve the effect as well as I think it could. Yeah. You know? Well, and also on top of that, um so Anna Taylor-Joy's character has a little dragon puppet named Lockheed that like yes. kind of spoiler becomes a real dragon. I don't know. It's unclear what sh- what her powers are. Yeah. But um like she's carrying around a puppet. 
and like talks with it on yeah. a regular basis as a teenager. And she's mean to everyone, especially, you know, Danny. So yeah. it's like, why is no one making fun of her for this? Yeah, correct. Unrealistic. Correct. <laughs> Uh, another thing, just like, this is going to sound bad. I just didn't really care about any of the characters. No, like, I'll I, agree. I, I didn't feel like their storylines were compelling enough for me. And th- this is this next part is especially going to sound rude. But it, it just felt like some of their backstories were the same. And I say that because it felt like everyone's motivations or what was driving them is like <laughs> their dead parents. No, yeah. Not, e- not even just trauma. It's their dead parents. <laughs> and it's like, sure, sure. Like, obviously, because these kids are here, probably something happened to their parents or their parents set them there. But, like, it, it just feels stale when we get, like, three scenes in a row of people reliving this trauma. And it's like... And it, it's not even in a way that it feels intertwined. Like, it didn't feel like that brought them closer together No, I agree. Either. So it was just, like, these three sort of redundant things that aren't even, like, brought together in a meaningful way. Yeah. You know? I also didn't feel like... Like, like even at the end, I didn't feel like they really all came together. Yeah, I feel that. I will say the only, like... Okay, so one thing that I did actually like about this movie yes. is that, um, I don't remember her name, Wolf Girl, who is Arya Stark. Rain, I believe. Rain, okay. So Rain, Rain and Danny are, like, together. You know, it's hinted at pretty early that, like, they're going to be a couple. Yes. And then, like, I thought for sure that they weren't really going to lean into it because they didn't want to make a bunch of conservatives mad, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought if they were to actually like kind of officially be a couple and like kiss, it wouldn't be till the very end. But I was surprised yeah. it actually happened pretty early and they yeah. just made it like a thing, you know? Yeah. So that was something mm-hmm. that I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, And I will say that did make me, I think just that like kind of pleasant surprise made me care about those characters a little more. Sure. But it's like, I did feel like at that point, the movie sort of started to focus on them and everyone else's backstories, especially Stranger Things guy. Yes. Which is like, gone i i agree you get his moments sort of like maybe like beginning of the second act or like halfway through the second act and then we barely even see him until the third act like nothing you know and which is fine because you have like five characters that you're trying to develop and trying to get people to care about but it's just like i don't know i just don't think they 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 hit it well it's just like i'd be curious to read the comics and be like are their backstories really all this similar? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, and, and I mean, obviously there were differences. We're, we're not saying that they all had the same exact story. But it, it just felt like in the way that it was presented, it felt like they were very similar. That, that, that they were, like, all the same. Yeah. Um, okay. So, one final thing that is that is tough about this movie. And I don't like always talking bad about movies, but, like, you force my hand, New Mutants. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the accents for a second, because they were just bad. They They were were really bad. They were flat out bad. Everyone, I guess the only character who didn't was Roberto, right? Um, Who didn't have an accent? Roberto? The the douche guy. The rich guy. The rich guy? The one whose parents send him here. I think he was like Brazilian or something. Oh my gosh, I forgot about yeah, him. The, the I completely forgot about Fireboy. him. Fireboy. Yes, Fireboy. Fire yeah. Because um, I was like, in my mind, the only guy was Stranger Things guy, and I was like, huh? Yeah. I guess Danny also didn't have an accent. No, yeah, R- she Really, didn't. it was uh, Sam's and Ileana's accents. But also, like, um, 
Well, I mean, Rain had an accent that kind of went in and out as well, but yeah. it was closer to like her actual accent. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't as bad. My, my thing is like, I'm not even really blaming the actors because you have a $67 million budget. That's how much this movie costs to make. You can get a dialect coach. Get a dialect <laughs> coach. Get a good dialect coach. If you're going to have people with so many different accents that they're not yeah. used to. Like, I, I, it just feels off. Like, why, why, why not have that? So... It just just makes me mad even talking about it because, like, I love this idea. I love the potential of this. Making a different kind of superhero movie that is a horror movie. Like, we really haven't really seen that. Yeah. We really haven't. And I I think this was a good opportunity to do it, and they just mixed the mark. So, I think concept-wise, I would greenlight this movie. The second I lay eyes on it, big boy red. Yeah. Big old red light. And I think it's tough, too, because since this failed so bad. Yep. Like, I don't think they'll try to do the horror superhero thing for a while. No. You know? Yeah. And that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay. That's all, all right. I got. We'll save our both two truths and a lie for the end. Okay. So you can go ahead. <sighs> all right. Well, thankfully, this is a movie I love. Yes. To, to lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. The 2004 film, Ella Enchanted. Woo! Woo! So this is based on the 1997 novel by Gail Carson Levine. Um, She was not involved in writing the screenplay. However, mm. she did make positive comments about the movie even though they're it's different than the book in a lot of ways um she basically said that like i view them as separate creative acts you know i like that perspective me too because i think that like the movie is more fun because of its differences i think Mm. that it's like uh an adaptation that you know warrants its own existence that like added something you know what i mean now have you read the book as well I have read the book about six times. Okay, cool. I loved this book as a kid. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I could talk about the differences between this for sure. You can. So uh, the book actually won a Newbery Honor, which is one of the most prestigious awards in children's literature. Um, the other prestigious one is the Caldecott Medal. Um, like I said, I read this book so many times. Yeah. Um, basically, it is a very loose retelling of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously character's name is Ella, you know, she has two mean stepsisters, stepmom. Yeah. Um, but you know, the big twist is that she is cursed at birth by a fairy named Lucinda to be obedient. Yeah. So she literally has to do what everyone tells her to do. Mm-hmm. She tries to find loopholes, you know, both in the book and the movie about like, oh, well, I'll just do it more slowly or, you know, something like that. But she always, she can't really overcome that compulsion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so some of the big, basically, yeah, so with that, there is still, like, kind of a ball, you know, there is, like, a Prince Char, you know, like, his name is Charmant, but, like, it's Prince Charming. Prince Charming, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and um, basically, in both the book and the movie, um, in the movie, Ella is more of, like, a political activist. In the book, it's more of just, like, she is incredibly smart and studious and, like, learns all kinds of different languages specifically she learns um ogreese um and she's like specifically fascinated by the ogre language because it has like a like a magically persuasive quality to it so she wanted to sort of have the ability to be able to tell other people what to do yeah you know um because like ogres in the book actually have an ability to like get humans to get in a pot and boil themselves. You know what I mean? Wow, sure. Um, whereas in in the movie, they kind of just do that with force. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, the love story is much more central in the film than in the book. Oh, interesting. Um, I okay. think the book is like, while they're both about Ella's journey to overcome this, yeah. um, the book is kind of more focused on that and more focused on her studies, her friendships, things like that. Sure. Um, 
Obviously, the movie has a bunch of pop music, which is fun. Um, in the book, Ellie goes to finishing school along with Hattie instead of just being like at college and living at home. Sure. Um, and so that sort of means that she's abused a lot more by Hattie. Mm. Um, and she, we see a little bit of her best friend, Arita in the film. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that some scenes with her might've been cut based on a couple specific lines that I'll talk about in just a second. But, um, she has a best friend named Arita who was also, you know, very studious, very sweet. And, um, does not, you know, because she was forbidden by her mother who died when she was young um, to tell anyone about this. She can't tell her about it, even though she does trust her um, implicitly. And she was the one who her like, she had to kind of diss at the beginning or whatever. Yeah, and that does happen in the book. So, okay, um, gotcha. Okay, so the reason I think some scenes were cut, right? We see a little bit of Arita and Ella, but not a lot, right? And then we yeah. see, um, basically, Hattie tells Ella, you know, tell Arita you never want to see her again and that you can never be friends with an Aorthian, which yep. is, you know, that is like a specific nationality in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't talk about what an Aorthian is at all in the movie. Oh, interesting. Sure. So that makes me think, again, that like some scenes were cut, some character development between those, you know, Ella and uh, Arita yeah. was probably cut. Um, just because they don't expand on that at all in the yeah, in the film. Sure. But yeah, you know, I mean, you can kind of get it from context in the film, but like the idea was that, you know, Hattie was basically trying to um make Ella be racist. Yeah. You know, Pretty to her much. best friend. Yeah. Um and and ditch her. So, um yeah, anyway, um I'd say the central events are pretty even, but uh, the biggest difference, like, is that there is no like Hamlet esque element in the book, um. So like the oh, evil sure. um Prince Char's evil uncle and his snake do not exist. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Um. I want to say Prince Char's dad is still alive, but now I don't remember because he does get he does end up becoming king, but I don't know. I don't remember if his dad is still alive. But um. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Um. Okay. So the budget for this was thirty one million dollars. Um, it actually lost money. It made twenty seven point four million at the box office, That's which rough. is disappointing to me That's because tough. again, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Tommy O'Haver and stars Anne Hathaway and Hugh Dancy. Um, Hugh Dancy is Prince Char. Um, so Tommy O'Haver hadn't done a whole lot before this. Um, this was only his third feature film on IMDb. Hmm. Um, so he previously wrote and directed Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss, um, which. It was a 1998 movie. It wasn't really that popular. Um, but his the thing that got him this job was that he um, directed Get Over It in 2001, which is a high school rom-com. Oh, um, nice. It actually does also have musical elements, kind of like this movie does, even though it's like pop music. Sure. Um, let me see. Because the plot of that movie is basically like this high school guy gets dumped so he tries to find solace in trying out for the high school musical. Oh, and nice. um, Same. and his love interest is Kirsten Dunst. Yo, or Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten. Either I think one. it's Kirsten. Kirsten. I don't know. Sure. Um, but yeah, he hasn't really done anything I've heard of since then. Um, so this was sort of his his biggest thing. Nice. Um, yeah. Let me see. Okay, so let's move on to the screenwriters. There are a lot. 
just throw out a ballpark guess. How many screenwriters do you think were on this? I'm, so, I'm looking at it right now. I'm sorry. I can't Why guess. did you do that? Don't what look do you at mean, the what? facts for my movie. I'm sorry. I was just, I, I was looking at the, you. I was looking at the, the, um, just the cast. Oh, okay. Uh, but I saw how many screenwriters okay, there were. Okay, there are five. Well, guess how <laughs> yes. many of them are women? Uh, four. Five. F- all five, really? All five screenwriters in this are women, and That's the original amazing. author is a woman, so good on you, Elle Enchanted. I mean, Girl like, the, the director's a guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they got five women to be writers. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, first writer, Lori Craig. Um, she wrote a movie called Modern Girls in 1998. Uh, no one's really seen it. She wrote another movie that no one's really seen called, well, she had a story credit, sorry, for another movie no one's really seen called Face the Music in 1993. It only has 323 IMDb reviews, but it's starring Molly Ringwald and Patrick Dempsey. Wow. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I think her kind of biggest break, you know, the other big thing that she did before this, she wrote a movie called Polly. She was the sole writer for this. It's a movie about a talking parrot looking for his original owner. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um. And then since Ella Enchanted, she was a screenwriter for Ramona and Beezus and a story consultant for Rio 2, that animated nice. movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so next one, uh, Jennifer Heath. She was mostly a TV writer um, for mostly series and a, and a couple TV movies. Um, she wrote for City, Roseanne, Dave's World, Mr. Rhodes, The Bad Girl's Guide, and then uh, Sundays at Tiffany's. And she's mainly a producer and a story editor nowadays. Nice. Um, Michelle J. Wolf is another writer, mostly for TV. She wrote for Who's the Boss, Rachel Gunn, RN, Married with Children, The Upper Hand, uh, also Mr. Rhodes and The Bad Girl's Guide, same as Jennifer Heath, and then, uh, Brotherly Love and the TV movie Bixler High, Private Eye. So not, like, incredibly high profile, but let's talk about these last two writers. Okay. They are, uh, Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough. They are a dynamic writing duo for rom-coms. So before Ella Enchanted, their two big things were they wrote 10 Things I Hate About You and Legally Blonde. Wow. Sheesh. Yeah. Well, and like Legally Blonde is based on a novel, but they were like the sole writers of the screenplay. Sure. Um, Since then, they were both writers on She's the Man, The House Bunny, which is about a fired Playboy bunny who is a, you know, goes and is like kind of a mom for a sorority house. It's a pretty Uh, well-known movie. Yeah. The Ugly Truth. And then they are going to be, um, they're currently, you know, working on Legally Blonde 3. Nice. Along with Mindy Kaling. Wow. (laughs) As a writer. So that's cool. Um, And then another, just a couple other things that were announced for them is um, an untitled female Expendables movie. Wow. Okay. And... An animated series where the Spice Girls are superheroes. Sounds incredible. What? Yeah. <laughs> so they have had quite the career. Some awesome writers we got here on yeah. Our <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Because like, I just kept clicking on things and being like, oh, also this Kirsten person. Because I looked at Karen McCullough first and I was yeah. like, oh, they've literally done everything together. Okay. Yeah. A dynamic duo, like you said. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the actors in this. So, of course, obviously Anne Hathaway. Now, she hadn't done a ton before this. This was one of her earlier big things. Um, so she got her big break on the TV show Get Real as Megan Green. It was pretty short-lived. Uh, it was from 1999 to 2000. And then um, beyond that, her first like feature credit was Mia Thermopolis and the Princess Diaries in 2001. Mm. 
Um, she was also Madeline Bray in Nicholas Nickleby, the 2002 movie, but she was not very high build at all. Okay. Um, so a pretty minor role. So I think that what got her this role was The Princess Diaries. I'm sure it did. Yeah. And um, yeah, the rest is history after that. I mean, I don't think I need to really go through all of Anne Hathaway's credits. You yeah, know who no, she is. you don't. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot to talk about on this. <laughs> okay. So Hugh Dancy, um, he was... Um, not super well known going into this. He has a lot of TV credits. And I mean, I'm not even going to list close to all of them. I haven't really heard of like any of them. Okay. And he was also in a lot of TV movies before El Enchanted. But he's from the UK. So I think a lot of that stuff is BBC. bigger in the UK yeah, sure. on the BBC. Um, so yeah, I hadn't really heard of most of it. Um, he was in a TV movie of David Copperfield and played David Copperfield in 2000. Nice. Um, and then in 2001, he was in a pretty popular movie called Black Hawk Down, starring uh, John Sizemore, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it's a very popular movie. Oh, I've never seen it. Okay. <laughs> it's super popular. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it had like 400,000 reviews. Yeah, I, I literally thought you were joking. But anyway, yeah. he was not very high build in this either. Gotcha. Um, and then pretty much after that, you know, it was El Enchanted. Um, he played Galahad in King Arthur in 2004. He was in Basic Instinct 2, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Uh, he was in 39 episodes of the Hannibal series. He was Will Graham. He did voiceover for two episodes of Robot Chicken. He was in 36 episodes of The Path as Cal Roberts, six episodes of Homeland, three episodes of The Good Fight, and he is apparently going to be in Downton Abbey 2. Oh, nice. Coming out this year. But I'm also like, was there a Downton Abbey movie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's going to be in Downton Abbey 2 coming cool. out later this year. Um, okay. I do not know how to pronounce this man's name. Carrie Elwes. I don't know how to pronounce Yules. him either, but he's I don't great. know. But yeah, he's great. Yule sounds gr- nice. Sounds, yeah, sounds Carrie Yules. Right. We'll go with that. It's just that it's E L W E S, so right. I don't know. It's probably not Yules. Whatever. Carrie, Carrie. Elwes. Elves. I don't know. Uh, so this man has 133 acting credits on IMDb. He he works. This man he's has man worked works. so much, and even the stuff he's doing now, like most of it, I've never heard of, which is kind of crazy because he's pretty famous. Yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, probably most well known for the Princess Bride. Absolutely, yeah. So the Princess Bride, uh, he was Wesley, nineteen eighty seven. Um, he was not Dracula, but he was in a, uh, a Dracula film that came out in nineteen ninety two. He was in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, nineteen ninety three, and he was in. This is not like the movie Twister that we know and love, but he was in a nineteen ninety six movie called Twister. Uh, he was in. Are Lion- you sure that's not the movie? That, that I thought that came it? out in the two thousands. Did it not? No, I'm pretty sure that's that's Twister. Oop. Well, he was in Twister. <laughs> uh, he was in Liar Liar in 1997. Um, and I only mentioned this because I have seen it. Uh, he was in an animated uh, film called Quest for Camelot. He voiced Garrett, who I don't know who that is, but I watched nice. that a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, he was Paris of Troy in the Hercules TV series in 1998. He was um, Paxton Powers in the Batman Beyond TV series in 1999. Do you know who that is? Paxton Powers? In what series? The Batman universe. No. Okay. Well, yeah, um, he was in the Batman Beyond TV series. um, And he was in six episodes of The X-Files. And what I didn't know is that he had a pretty big role in two Saw movies. Yeah. Uh, Who knew? I guess you, not me. (laughs) Well, just because I was just looking at him. 
You're cheating. I I'm just sorry. Look at it for your movie. I'm sorry. Well, he. I, I was looking at it to to make sure I got his name right because he was also in uh, a few episodes of Psych as uh, Pierre Despereaux. He was. Yes. He's very recognizable. Um, I thought I wrote that down. I guess I didn't. Um. Oh wait. No. You know what? It's just farther down on the list. <laughs> um. How he, long is your list? <laughs> that's long. Uh. He did VO in the scary Jim Carrey Christmas Carol movie. He oh, played nice. Ted Bundy in the Riverman TV movie uh, in 2004. Uh, he was in, he did VO for the Sophia the First series. That's a Disney Junior series. He was in Workaholics. He's done stuff for The Adventures of Puss in Boots. Um, he is the mayor in Stranger Things. That's that connection. Is he really? Yeah. I'm trying to think if I remember him from that. He apparently was a fan of the show, and he's, he only came in, like, I guess in the later seasons. Okay. But huh. yeah. Uh, That's cool. He's Gavin Hawk in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and he... Jackson, do you remember when we saw Black Christmas? He, he was in it, yeah. He was the he gross was. professor in yes, Black Christmas. Yes, he was. Um, and then he was in a bunch of episodes of Family Guy. He is in an untitled Guy Ritchie film that's in post-production, and he is going to be in the 2022 Mission Impossible 7. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Woo! Yeah, so lots of stuff for him. Um, obviously, his biggest thing leading up to this, you know, was... I mean, he's kind of just been in a lot, TBH, but, like, you know, most well-known for The Princess Bride. It makes sense they put him in a fairy tale adjacent movie. Sure. You know? Um, okay, so next, Aiden McArdle. This is going to be short. He's Slannon okay. the Elf. El Enchanted was his big break. He's been in so many TV movies. But the one thing I want to point out is that he is in one episode of The Irregulars, which I know you are watching. Oh, I am. He's a Lestrade, Lestrade. Lestrade. Yes. I think I've seen him, yeah. 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 Uh, next, Joanna Lumley, who's Dame Olga. This is kind of a weird one because I feel like I've seen her in so many things, but after looking at her IMDb, I really haven't. Um, she's been working mostly in the UK since the 70s. So she's been in wow. so many things. Yeah. Um, Ella Enchanted was really the first thing I would have ever seen her in. Mm, um, sure. And I don't think she's had a ton of like really, really big credits. It's just that she's worked so much gotcha. um, before Ella Enchanted. I think that was why she got cast. Um, she was Aunt Spiker in James and the Giant Peach in 2006. Oh. So those are the two places I, I would have seen her. Yeah. <laughs> um. She also did VO in uh, the Corpse in Corpse Bride, two thousand five, and then her biggest kind of thing, I guess, she was in a TV series called Absolutely Fabulous that ran from nineteen ninety two to two thousand twelve. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it might have been a UK UK series. She was in thirty nine episodes. Okay. Um, she was in The Wolf of Wall Street, twenty thirteen. She was in a TV movie called Gangsta Granny in twenty thirteen. I assume she was the, the Gangsta, Gangsta Granny. Granny. Uh, she was in Me Before You, 2016. She was in Paddington 2. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for her. She was in a bunch of other stuff, but like, I, I'm only listing the more well-known things. Sure. Uh, and then the last person I'm going to talk about in terms of cast is Hattie Lucy Punch. Um, so, oh, I guess this is something that I didn't list on Hugh Dancy's thing, but one of the things he was in in the 90s is The New Advent Adventures of Robin Hood, and she was also in it. Oh, so cool. a lot of crossover there. I feel like when we've the past few weeks that we've been doing this new format, um, I've just like noticed so much overlap in like how everyone knows each other, and I'm like, huh? For sure, nepotism. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. She has had lots of TV appearances on both TV series and TV movies. Um. She worked a lot, but didn't really have anything big until Ella Enchanted. 
She was in Hot Fuzz in 2007, but billed pretty low. She was Darla in Dinner for Schmucks in 2010. Yes, she was. Um, she did VO for one episode of Robot Chicken. She was Genevieve in two episodes of New Girl. And, and she was Esme Squalor in the Netflix series Unfortunate Events series. Yes, she pretty was. Pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. And then in the 2014 live action Into the Woods, um, she was also... Cinderella's evil sister, just like this. She <laughs> was Lucinda. Funny. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I know I kind of rambled through that, but um, now I have my two truths and a lie, if you're ready. Oh, you do? Well, wait. I thought we were going to save those Oh, wait, to the oh, end. I have to talk about my thoughts. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Sorry, I didn't actually take notes on my thoughts. I figured I'd just kind of go off, but let me okay, do that. sure. Um, so with this movie, I personally love this movie. I think that the the modern elements that are incorporated into this old-timey fairy tale story are so mm-hmm. fun. Like at one point they talk about going to the mall and it's like a fairy tale marketplace, yeah, but yeah. there's like a staircase that's has a pulley system that makes it an escalator. Yeah. Like that was I love great. that. That was one of the 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 best visual bits for Yeah, sure. there are just like so many moments like that, you know, like Prince Char Prince Char has like a screaming fan club that's very, you know, like late 90s, early 2000s heartthrob-esque. Yeah. You know what I mean? It does not yeah. feel like um, an old-timey thing. But then at the same time, a lot of the signs will say still say things like ye old whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it almost has that sort of Shrek thing going on. Yeah, sure. Where they incorporate modern stuff into a fairy tale world. I um, see the similar tone for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, with the with the pop songs being added into it, also similar to Shrek. Yeah. Um, I think it, it just adds... I don't know. It just adds so much. It's so much fun. And while it is different from the book, I love both equally, I would say. Um, yeah. So as Lauren, obviously I would greenlight this movie. But as a producer, I have to look at the fact that they lost money on this and see, okay, while I, of course, as a producer would look at this and be like, well, the novel was really successful. Sure. Um, but I'd have to maybe find something to change. So I'm trying to think like, what could we have done to this movie to make more money? And... As much as I hate to say it, I think they should have maybe cast someone a little more well-known as Prince Char. Because mm. Anne Hathaway, you know, she just on Princess Diaries, she was kind of up and coming, right? But she wasn't huge yet. Sure. And, like, I think it's totally fine. I don't know. I just don't think that there were any huge draws cast-wise at this time. Sure, I guess. When this came out, you yeah. know? And it's like, I love when movies cast... um, I love when movies cast unknown people, but I don't think the source material was so mainstream and like iconic sure. that because you know could at ride this, alone on it, right? Exactly. Because at this point, I think the movie might honestly be more well known than the book. You know what I mean? Like the uh, book yeah, was successful, sure. but not like Harry Potter successful or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that maybe they, they should have gotten one or two people, even if it was for supporting roles that were a little more well known. As much as I hate to say it, um. However, with those changes, I would absolutely greenlight this movie as a producer as well. All right. Perfect. Okay. How about you start with Two Truths and a Lie then? Okay. Cool. Um, Number one. Uh, This is a two-parter. Okay. Director Tommy O'Haver and Anne Hathaway's cousin Meredith both had uncredited roles in this. Um, Director Tommy O'Haver was the squirrel on a stick vendor and- uh, Meredith, Anne Hathaway's cousin, was the one who pushes Edgar's cart across the frame during the curtain call at the end of the movie. Nice. Okay. Next. 
Um, Prince Char was recast because the original actor fell off a horse and broke his pelvis during shooting pretty early on in the process. Um, it did not say who the original actor was. So hmm. I wonder if it was kind of like I said, and it was someone more well-known, but at the same Maybe. time, if it was someone more well-known, I it probably like we would have said who it was. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So that's a bummer, but I guess, uh, good for Hugh Dancy. And then the last one, Heston the Snake was originally going to be a puppet. Heston the Snake was the 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 CGI. Yeah, the CGI it, evil snake. Okay. Um, there's just so many facts in the first one. I'm gonna have to go the first one. That is the lie. It's not. Which was the lie? Uh, Prince Char was not recast. However, I did build that off of an actual fact during the ogre fight scene. A stunt guy broke his pelvis in 30 places because Sheesh. a horse fell on him. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, Prince, uh, yeah, Anne Hathaway's cousin Meredith is actually the one pushing um, Edgar off stage. That's fun. So yeah, that's I fun. Like that. Yeah. Alrighty, my turn. Let's so, go. Number one. Um, this film was supposed to be the first part in a trilogy. The second film was supposed to be an alien invasion movie, and the third film was supposed to be an apocalyptic-type movie. Okay. Fact number two. The villain Warlock was planned to appear in the movie, with Sasha Baron Cohen in talks for the role. But his powers would have been too expensive for the film's budget, so he was removed with the intent to appear in the sequel. Okay. Number three. Originally, the Native American proverb uh, was supposed to begin with, inside of us, there are two wolves, but they decided to change it to bears because of Maisie, Williams, Maisie Williams's character already had the power to turn herself into a wolf. See, I feel like inside of everyone, there are two wolves is like an incel thing, but I don't know. Maybe it was originally a Native American thing. Um, I think that if they were going to make the apocalypse the third movie choice that would be a bad choice because they already had x-men apocalypse fair and like they've done so many avengers things with aliens i feel like but at the same time maybe when that concept was created disney didn't know that yet so i don't know and I also just feel like there are so many specific things in the second one where it could all be true, except that it wasn't going to be Sasha Baron Cohen. I've stumped her, folks. I'm going to go with the first one. I think the alien invasion thing would be stupid. Do wrong. No! That, that is 100% true. It was The second film was supposed to be an alien invasion well, movie. Well, that's stupid. Warlock <laughs> is, like, Warlock's character is is an alien. Um, and oh, actually okay. was supposed to be Sasha Baron Cohen. That is true. And he was that supposed to That whole fact was true? Oh, yeah. Both the first and second facts are true. I can't believe I got you with the inside of us. There are two wolves. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, my first instinct was like, that's fake. See, but, I knew you would. Two steps ahead. Big brain. <laughs> the, the way this mind works, Lauren. The way this mind works. <laughs> all right. Well, we both got each other this time. We did. We did. Uh, all righty then. So that's our episode, I think. That's our episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would it would be kind of fun if we like, I don't know, if we if we kind of like bet something on the two truths and a lie or like huh. someone had to watch something or someone had to do something, etc. We should think about that okay. before next episode. I will make you watch Westworld if... 
I win next time. Well, that seems like a lot. So I'll only make you watch season one. Uh, still seems like a lot. We'll talk about it and then we'll <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. We'll bring it for you on the next show. Uh, but uh, thank you for listening. We very much appreciate your support. And until next time, that's us. That's us. See ya.